Welcome to the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast, your weekly dose of accounting and tax tips specific to small business owners. You will be on your way to growing your business and paying the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Here's your host, Mike Jezoshek, CPA. Hello, and welcome back to another episode. Today, we're going to be talking about this idea of independent contractor versus employee, and then also be talking about 1099s. And so let's just kind of dive into this idea of independent contractor and employee, because this is something that comes up with business owners all the time. And we get people coming into our free Facebook group. We get clients, members of our software coming in that says, Mike, do I hire this person as an independent contractor or employee? Let's kind of talk about what the things we want to be thinking about, what that step looks like. So first things first, let's kind of look at some terminology. When we think about independent contractor, what we're talking about is 1099. So, you know, a lot of people say, well, I'm a 1099 contractor or I employ 1099 contractors. And basically what that means is that it's an independent contractor. At the end of the year, you're going to send them a 1099 for the amount that you paid them. Now, employees get something called a W-2. So when you hire somebody or when you bring on, pay somebody for work that they're doing for your business, you're either going to give them a 1099, which would be an independent contractor, or a W-2, which would be for employees. So I just wanted to get that out there at first because some people hear 1099, some people hear W-2, and don't understand that they're correlated to independent contractor or an employee. And the reason that we want to talk about this is that state and federal governments are really starting to crack down on this idea of incorrect classification. So someone that might bring workers on that they're classifying as independent contractors, but should be employees or vice versa. They're classifying them as employees, but they should be 1099 contractors. And that's what the government's starting to crack down on. So we just want to make sure that we have a good understanding as a business owner of which is which and how we should be doing it for our workers. Now, ultimately, the responsibility of determining independent contractor or employee comes down to the employer, comes down to the business owner. So if you have someone that comes in and says, nope, I'm going to be a 1099 contractor, it's not really the worker's decision. You know, if you incorrectly classify them, the government's going to come after the employer, the business owner. They're not going to come after the worker. So if you incorrectly classify them as an independent contractor and they should have been an employee, you're the one that's going to get stuck with with having to adjust that, with having to deal with penalties, fines, everything else. So that's one thing to consider because I hear from a lot of people that say, well, they just came in and said they want to be a 1099 contractor. It's not necessarily the case. We need to look at the facts and circumstances. So before we get into, you know, what are some of the things we need to look at when determining independent contractor or employee, let's talk about some of the things that you do differently for them. So with an independent contractor, basically you're just pay them. You simply pay the contractor for the work that they perform. So you send a check or an ACH or a wire or whatever it might be from your business account to that worker's account, and that's it. You do not withhold for taxes. You do not withhold for Social Security, Medicare, anything like that. So there's no federal withholding. There's no state withholding. There's no FICA, Social Security, Medicare. There's no unemployment. You don't pay benefits to an independent contractor. They're typically not going to be subject to any labor laws that you have. Again, you just simply pay them. So you would write that, you know, if the independent contractor says, hey, you know, for the work I did, you owe me 1200 bucks, you pay them 1200 bucks. The independent contractor gets 1200 bucks. Now let's look at that on the opposite side and at the idea of an employee. With an employee, you need to withhold taxes 
federal and state withholdings. You need to withhold FICA taxes. That's Social Security and Medicare. You need to pay unemployment taxes. So if you have an employee that earned $1,200, they're going to get less than that because you're going to have to withhold federal and state withholding. You're going to have to withhold uh, FICA taxes. And then whatever's left over is what that employee is going to get. So that's kind of some of the differences between them. Now, as an independent contractor, because the employer, the, the person that's paying them is not withholding anything, that independent contractor is responsible for paying the taxes on the profit that they receive from that. So if they get $1,200 of the payment, let's say they had expenses that go into it and brings it down to $800, that independent contractor is responsible for paying taxes on that $800 for the services that they're providing. If you're an independent contractor that's listening to this, I hope you understand that because we see oftentimes where an independent contractor will get a 1099 at year end and they go take that to their account. They're like, okay, here's my 1099, take it to their accountant. Their accountant says, hey, here's a bunch of taxes you owe. And they're like, taxes? Shouldn't my employer do that? And they're like, well, you're an independent contractor, a 1099 contractor. So I just preface that by saying, if you're classified as a 1099 independent contractor, just know that you're responsible for paying the taxes on any income that you have. And so you're actually going to be paying taxes on the profit of your business. So any income minus expenses that you may have related to that income. So just something to consider. Again, independent contractor, as the person is paying them, there's nothing to withhold. You're just paying them whatever it is that they're owed. They're going to get that exact dollar amount. As an employee, you need to withhold taxes. You need to pay those taxes to the state governments. You need to pay payroll tax forms. You need to do all these types of items. And that's why we typically recommend using some type of payroll software to help along with this, because it's going to make that whole process a heck of a lot easier. You know, if you have employees, you're also responsible for covering half of their FICA taxes. So FICA taxes is Social Security and Medicare, usually about 15.3%. As an employer, if you have employees, you cover half of that. So a little over 7.5% is what you cover on behalf of your employees. So there is definitely some added costs to employees because you have to pay half of FICA. You have to pay unemployment taxes, federal level, maybe state level. You potentially are paying benefits and, and other different things. So that is kind of the difference between independent contractor versus employee. Remember, independent contractors, a 1099, employees, a W-2. Now, deciding whether a worker should be an independent, independent contractor or employee is not a decision. It's not something that you can choose one or the other. You're kind of forced into one that the government wants you to treat it. So let's look at that. If we're bringing someone on to work for us, how do we know if they're an independent contractor or an employee? And really, it comes down to control. Who is controlling this relationship? So if you as the business owner have complete control, traditionally, that's going to lean more towards an employee type relationship. If the person that you're hiring has more control, that's going to lean more towards an independent contractor type relationship. So the IRS, when they, had, when they talk about this, they have three kind of things that they look at. Behavioral instances, financial, and type of relationship. So when you look at behavioral, that's, that's really where the control does. Does the company control or have the right to control what the worker does? How the worker does their job? Is the company that's hiring them have the control of that? How they're doing the work? What they're doing when they do it? Things like that. On the financial aspect, it's talking about, you know, who is paying the worker. So does the worker come in and say, our rate is $150 an hour? Or is the business owner coming in and saying, hey, we're going to offer you a salary of 
$50,000 a year, or we're going to pay you an hourly rate of $50. So who is determining that, that rate? You know, that's, that's going to be part of that control too. And then the other piece is type of relationship. So, you know, is there vacation? Are you paying for vacation? That's going to tend more to an employee. Is there any other benefits, retirement, insurance, pension plans, things like that? That's going to, again, kind of determine it. So when we look at, should we classify our people as an independent contractor or employee? I typically say it oftentimes, in many cases, is pretty obvious what they should be because it's pretty obvious who has control of that relationship, who is in in control of that. But let's go through some examples. Let's go through an example of an employee. So an example of when you would kind of classify someone as an employee is when you have control over the day-to-day details of that. So do you specifically instruct them of what they should be doing when they should be doing it? Do you have a supervisor or a boss that's constantly monitoring the type of work they're doing? If so, that's tending towards an employee. Do you reimburse that worker for tools, equipment, and various different things that they're bringing to that job if they're bringing it? That's going to kind of work more towards an employee. Are you providing all the tools? So, you know, if you have somebody that that does a plumbing work for your rental property and they work all for you, are you providing all those plumbing tools for them? They're not bringing any of their own. If you're providing that tools, that equipment, again, a little bit more leaning towards an employee. Who's determining the price or the rate? If the person coming in is saying, here is what we charge, you either pay it or go with somebody else, that's going to be more of an independent contractor. If you're saying, hey, we have a job posting and it's $50 an hour, Again, that's more an employee. You're determining what that rate is. Who's determining the amount of work? So if you're determining how much the worker is going to work, when they're going to be working, their hours, their schedule, everything like that, again, typically more of an employee situation. Is there an agreement, an independent contractor agreement in place, or is there an employment agreement in place? That's kind of an easier one, but that's the, that's the one that you're going to help provide support for whatever route you go down. Another big one to you is, does this person that you're hiring have a business? So do they have an LLC set up? Do they do work for other people? If they're working under their their own name, you're the only business that they work for, going to lead more towards that employee. If you provide benefits, sick days, vacation days, different things like that, again, going to lead more towards an employee. So we want to look, start to kind of go down these lists of these questions. You know, who has control? Who is saying the specific instruction? Who's monitoring it? Who's providing the equipment or the tools that they're using? Who is determining the price? Who's determining how much, how often they're working? What their schedule might be? If this is a continuous thing, like it's forever ongoing, that's going to be, again, lean towards the employee side. Is this something that it's just a one-time project? maybe that would lean towards an independent contractor. Are you providing benefits? Are they doing work for other people or not? Those are some of the questions that we want to be going through as we're determining, should I classify them as an independent contractor or employee? Now let's go through the contractor piece. You know, what are some of those obvious, hey, this is probably an independent contractor one. An independent contractor is going to be someone that primarily decides how they're going to work, what they're going to do, how they do their specific work. They're going to determine how much they're going to charge, what they're going to be paid. They likely work for other companies doing very similar things. They maybe have expenses that they incur that they're not getting reimbursed from, from the person they're working for. You know, 
a contractor has the ability to to have a loss on a job. You know, as a contractor, you have the potential to lose money on the situation where you might do a job that you are using your own parts, your own equipment, and you didn't charge hard enough. That's going to lean towards an independent contractor. If you bring your own tools and equipment to the job site, that's going to be, again, a more of an independent contractor. Um, if you work on a project-by-project basis instead of just indefinitely, again, that's going to lean more towards an independent contractor. So when you're looking at your workers and trying to decide, is this an independent contractor? Is this a worker or a W-2 employee? Oftentimes, when we're looking at this control thing, start to go through these questions and just think about yourself sitting in front of an IRS agent and the IRS agent says, okay, you classified them as an independent contractor. Can you explain a little bit about why you believe that might be true? And if you can sit in front of that IRS agent and say, here's why, you know, they determine the rate. They only do projects for us. They do work for other people. They bring their own equipment. We have an independent contractor agreement in place. If you, if you, if you're bringing all that proof to them, then you can start to stand behind one way or the other. Like I said, oftentimes this is pretty obvious. You know, it's it's pretty clear cut of, yeah, this person's probably an employee or no, this person's definitely an independent contractor. So just make sure you have the proof, the backup, do some legwork up front to help back that up. You know, another example of an independent contractor is let's say you hire us to do accounting work or you hire an attorney to do some attorney work. That's a clear indication of an independent contractor relationship. You know, if you hired us to do your accounting work, we do taxes, accounting work. We do that for many different people. And we are just providing a service to you. That's a clear independent contractor. But if you came to me and said, hey, Mike, I want you to come work for me. I want you to work full time for me. I want me to be the only business you do. I'll provide you with benefits. I'll provide you with sick days. I'll provide you with equipment, a new computer, whatever it is to do all of our accounting work. I just want you solely on this business. That's going to lean more towards that employee type relationship. So just some things to consider. Now, when we think about independent contractor versus employee, people say, you know, what's the big deal? And the reason it's a big deal is because the government's starting to crack down on it. And if you get it wrong, it can be really detrimental to your business. And let's go through an example. Let's say you have an employee that you are a worker that you brought on and you paid them as an independent contractor. But the IRS comes knocking and says, hey, they weren't an independent contractor. We reviewed everything with you. They should have been an employee. Now what? Well, now you need to pay back taxes for that, for those taxes that you should have been withholding. So you have to pay back taxes on that, including interest, penalties, fines. You have to pay back payroll tax forms that you should have filed for that employee, but you never did. Again, interest, penalties, fines. And if you take this and add it up for multiple workers over multiple years, you can tell that if you were to get hit with one of these and you knowingly were taking the wrong classification, it could be pretty detrimental to your business in that year that you're caught. So I always say, if your thought is, I'm just going to pay him as a contractor and fly under the radar, I want you to just rethink that idea. I want you to rethink that thought of flying under the radar because it could really cripple your business. The other kind of caveat that I hear people say is, well, you know, this business down the road, similar to business, they've been doing it like this for for years. And although there should be employees, they've been always doing it as independent contractors. That's how they do it. So I'm just going to follow them. I'm going to do what they're doing. And the one thing I would say to that is, you know, do you know that they are specifically doing business the exact same way that you are? Are they treating their workers the same way you are? You know, you might be in the same line of business. But the way you treat your workers, what you provide them, those different things, 
might actually be different. So you can have two plumbing companies that has workers as independent contractors and the other one is employees doing you know the exact same industry, exact same town, but they could have different classifications just on the way they treat it. You know, when they're going through those questions of control, you know, how are they answering those questions? The other thing is, is just because someone does something wrong year after year for many years and never get caught, doesn't mean that you won't. And it doesn't mean that they'll never get caught. And so I would just say, you know, if you're knowingly doing something wrong, just because you know somebody else that hasn't got caught for it, I would just caution that. That is not something to back up. Because if the IRS comes knocking, you can't say, well, this person down there has been doing it this way for so long. So that's why I did it that way. The IRS doesn't care what anybody else is doing. They're, they're worried about what is the case that they're working on. So again, this is not meant to scare. This is not meant to kind of push back on in hire, uh, bringing on independent contractors. I just want to make you aware of the two options and making sure that as you're going down that list of the way you're treating them, how you're bringing them on, that you're, re- that you're classifying your workers correctly to protect yourself. And if it is an independent contractor, no worries. We have independent contractors in our business. We have employees in our business. We even have some people that do the same exact job, but one's classified as a 1099 contractor, the other's classified as an employee, simply because of the fact and circumstances for that specific worker play out different ways based on what they're actually doing and who has control of that relationship. So just something to consider. Now, on this topic of 1099 contractors, I want to talk about 1099s. You know, we're getting close to year end. And so we want to be thinking about this 1099 filing that needs to be done. Remember, if you pay an independent contractor $600 or more in total for a year, you're going to be responsible for sending them a 1099 NEC at year end. And those 1099s have to be filed uh, by January 31st after the year is over. So about a month after the year ends, you have to have those 1099s filed. And the reason that we want to talk about these 1099s is because now is the time to start collecting the information for it. In order to send a 1099, you need to get information from your contractor. That information comes on a Form W-9. So you want all of your contractors to be filling out a Form W-9 so that when year-end comes, you have the information needed to be able to send them a 1099 at year-end. So again, remember, if you're paying an independent contractor $600 or more in total for the year, you're going to be responsible for sending them a 1099 NEC. Now, that $600 is in total. So if you paid someone $200 in March, $200 in June, $200 in September, and $200 in December, you paid them $800. They're responsible, you're responsible for sending them a 1099 NEC. Even though you didn't pay them $800 all at once, it was all broken down into four payments of $200, still responsible for a 1099 NEC. Now, with that being said, there's some situations where a 1099 does not need to be filed. And this would be payments to C or S corporations. So if you're paying a C corporation or an S corporation, no need to send a 1099. Now, there is one exception to this. If you have an attorney that you're paying for legal services, you would still need to send them a 1099, even if they are a C or an S corporation. But in general, payments to a C corporation or S corporation, no need for a 1099. If you have employees, you're not sending them a 1099 because, again, they're going to be W-2 employees. If you have contractors, that's a 1099. Employees are W-2s. So employees, you would send a W-2 to, not a 1099. If you're making payments for merchandise, telephone, freight, storage, no need to send a 1099 for those types of items. 
if you have someone that is performing work outside the U.S., let's say you have a virtual assistant that's located in the Philippines or in India or in Europe, and you're paying them, you would not need to send them a 1099 for the work they're doing outside of the U.S. If you're making payments via credit card, you would not have to send a 1099 because the merchant processor that's processing that credit card is going to send a 1099 to that person anyway. So if you pay, make payments via card, don't worry about 1099s. And the other final one that a 1099 is not required for would be for personal services. So if you are just doing work at your home, you have someone that cuts your lawn at home, nothing to do with your business. You put a new addition onto your house, nothing to do with your business. You wouldn't be sending 1099s for any personal service type work either. So again, 1099 is if you pay a contractor $600 or more in total for the year, you need to send them a 1099 NEC at year end. Now, if they're a CRS corporation, no need to send them a 1099. If they're an employee, you're sending them a W-2, not a 1099. So now you might say, how do I know if they're a CRS corporation? That W-9 that you're requesting from all your contractors is going to tell you what their entity classification is. So if you get that W-9 and it says S corporation on there, you don't have to worry about sending a 1099 to that contractor. So let's go through the quick steps of this whole 1099 NEC process. Step one, collect a W-9 from all your contractors you pay, even if it's under $600, because you never know when that amount's going to go above $600 with future payments. So I say anytime you initially pay a contractor, get a W-9 from them, keep it on file. So this is important. Again, before you pay anyone, collect a W-9 from them. If you're just hearing about this now and you don't have 1099s or, some of your, or W-9s from some of your contractors, ask them now. Ask them now before you rent. So once we have that W-9, then you're going to send a, them a 1099 or prepare a, them a 1099 NEC. Again, if it's required based on they don't meet any of the exceptions, you would prepare it. And all that information to prepare that 1099 is going to be directly on the W-9 that you already have on file from them. Step three is send a copy of that 1099 NEC to the contractor. And then step four is file a, file a copy of that 1099 NEC with the federal government and the state government if, if it's required in your specific state. So a relatively easy process, but the thing is it all has to be done after year end because you never know when you're going to be done paying them until the year is over. So there's a lot of hustling in January if you don't have some of the documents that you need on file. Again, remember the filing date for this is January 31st. So year end hits, you know, okay, here's exactly what we made for payments out. You have a month to prepare those 1099s, 1099 NECs, and gather all that information if you haven't already. So hopefully this was helpful. Again, I want to refresh of independent contractor versus employee because there's a lot of confusion about this. And I, and again, what I always say is if it looks like an employee, acts like an employee, smells like an employee, you know, that, that whole duck thing, it's probably an employee. If it doesn't, it's an independent contractor. There's nothing wrong with independent contractors, but we want to make sure that we're doing it right. And remember, let's go way back to the beginning. When we talked about independent contractor or employee, what are the differences? An independent contractor, you simply just pay them. You don't have to withhold taxes. You don't have to offer benefits. You're likely not subject to a lot of labor laws. You don't have to pay half their self-employment or half their FICA taxes. You just pay them. They send you a bill. Hey, I did uh, $1,200 worth of work. You pay them $1,200 and it's over. You send them a 1099 at the end of the year. Now, if it's employee, we need to be doing this all through a payroll software. You need to be withholding federal and state taxes. You need to be paying half of their FICA and withholding their, their half of FICA. You need to be filing these forms 
with the state governments, federal governments. You need to have pay unemployment taxes, all of this. And again, you're covering half of Social Security and Medicare, that FICA tax as well. So that's the difference between an independent contractor and employee. But ultimately, you don't get to choose which one you want to do. You have to look at the facts and circumstances and make sure that they're in the right classification. So hopefully that was helpful. I know we're getting close to year end. And so we wanted to bring all these ideas home. I especially want to talk about 1099s and make sure that if you have contractors, if you have independent contractors, maybe it's some independent contractors from earlier in this year already, make sure you're collecting a W-9 from them so that once 1231 hits, you can start preparing those 1099 NECs going into uh, next tax year. So hopefully that was helpful. Check the show notes. We have articles that we kind of deep dive into the various topics that we talked about today, going into more details, having some additional information on there as well. So check those out. And remember, as we get closer to 1231, we're just going to continue this discussion of things you should be thinking about as we get close to the end of the year. And remember also, our goal is to ensure you pay the least amount in taxes as legally possible. Thank you, everybody. And I will see you next week. This has been another episode of the Small Business Tax Savings Podcast. If you enjoy our weekly episodes, please leave a review and share with other business owners. You can find previous episodes and more information at www.taxsavingspodcast.com. Thanks for listening and have a great day.